Hi, this is Bobby Kamari, and I want to thank you for listening to season two of the Living in Light podcast, where the whole season is going to be dedicated to the fabulous topic of sacred sexuality. I hope it blesses your socks off. So I am so super excited today to have three wonderful guests on by the names of Katrina McCain, Dave Atkins and Ruth Rawlins. This is going to be a two-parter and all three are amazing, amazing parents that I personally have been inspired by. Um, and I mean, Ruth, I've only literally recently got to know about two weeks ago, so I am just super excited about hearing more from her um and then Katrina you guys have heard from Katrina before if you haven't actually checked out episode five and six of this season please go and listen because we've had the amazing Katrina on before um just sharing about sexuality about marriage and we tapped in a little bit about you know parenting and I remember saying to Katrina that you need to come back and we need to talk about this. So I'm so glad that this is actually happening. And then the wonderful Dave Atkins, who amazing father, um, we work together in the capacity of this actual you know, area when it comes to sexuality in relationships in education. And he just has such a heart for seeing young people walk in the fullness of freedom. And so today, all three of them and myself, we're going to have a conversation about sexuality and parenting, which I am super, super, super pumped about. Um, so hi, guys, and thank you so much for being on today's episode. Hi. Hi Bobby. <laughs> Hello, Bobby. Yeah, that little Hi. pause. <laughs> um, so let's kick off by just finding out what your personal convictions are when it comes to parenting in this particular area of sexuality and intimacy. I know for me personally, although I don't have children, but I have so many spiritual children and so many young people that are in my sphere of influence. And I know for me, my heart to see them walk in the fullness of their identity and sexuality comes from you know my own past where I did things so wrong even though I got to know Jesus at 12 and even though I became a Christian but that still didn't stop me from leading a double life where I ended up being sexually active quite young and after leaving Jesus as a 16 year old really just going on to such a promiscuous lifestyle and then fast forward 10 years becoming a Christian and then realizing actually that biblical sexuality is really the best way to navigate through your sexuality and then and just learning about God's beautiful plan for our sexuality and in my own life walking in purity and seeing the fruit of it and seeing the blessing and the wonder of it and recognizing that actually Jesus has got so much more in store for us than the world offers and so now when I'm ministering to young people or you know nurturing my niece and my nephews like I want them to have the best I don't want them to make the same mistakes that I made and at the same time I want those that are in my care to really enjoy intimacy so that's certainly like some of the convictions that I'm rooted in when it comes to helping nurture that in young people and so I would love to hear from you guys like what are some of your convictions in the way that you parent your children in this area of sexuality and intimacy and Katrina let's kick off with you and maybe you just want to say hi and you also just want to um, perhaps begin by just saying a little bit about yourself. Okay. Hi. Hi, everyone. I'm Katrina. Um, I live in the United States um, in North Carolina, and I have two little girls. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess I'm still fairly new in this journey of parenting, yeah. but I'm learning a lot. And then I have a lot of, um, I guess, my own personal memories of how my parents raised me that I lean on quite a bit. Um, and then just gleaning from other people in, in my life. Um, so my husband and I were, we're really excited. We're still kind of fresh, right? There's no handbook, but we're learning as we go. Yeah. Cause super quick, just on that, cause your parents, if I remember correctly, is your dad a pastor? Remind me. Mm -hmm. Katrina. Yes. Yeah. So you've kind of had that, I guess, as a, just as an upbringing to nurture some of your convictions as well. Right. Yes. Yes. Very much so. Um, I think I was in college when I realized that I was raised a lot differently. Mm -hmm. And most people, you know, for me, that was just normal. Yeah. Um, but getting out into the world and being able to compare 
you know, what I was taught versus what other people were taught was very, very different. And it was very eye-opening for me. Yeah. And I guess, um, Dave, that's the same for you as well, like in the sense that your three have had a different kind of upbringing to maybe their friends that they engage with. But to begin with, tell us a little bit about yourself, talk about your convictions, and then maybe touch Mm. a bit on what I just, you know, said about your children having a different upbringing to their friends. Sure. I'm Dave. I'm married to my lovely Philippa. And um, we have three children. They're 19, 16 and 13, two boys and a girl. And uh, they're fantastic. They're great. Um, And um, yeah, I think that they have grown up. I mean, it depends who you compare them to as to where, you know, how things are in relation to their culture. I guess going to a school which has got a little bit more of a or a lot more of a kind of Christian ethos has been helpful for them, you know, up until the age of 16. And so um, that's probably quite different to their mates who go to the the local schools, you know. And uh, so, yeah, there is definitely a culture in South London, which is, you know, for teenagers, which is quite a tricky one, I think, to navigate. And um, I think um, that's been an an interesting experience, I guess. what I would say also is that, yeah, I grew up, my parents were both Christians, so I grew up in a Christian home. I've got four siblings, three sisters and a brother. And I would say that although I grew up in a Christian home, the way that I would parent um, culturally is probably quite different because the culture has changed so much outside that the culture has to change that we have inside the home as well, I think. And um so that's been a kind of a journey, I would say. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And Ruth, for you? Yeah, so um, I have one 15, soon to be 16-year-old daughter. And I got pregnant with her actually at university. Um, and like the other two, I too was raised in a Christian home. But I thought the grass was greener on the other side and I backslid. Um, and, you know, I mean, even... It's just one of the most beautiful examples of God's grace is the gift of a child through sin, basically, mm-hmm. through turning my back on God's ways. Yet he redeemed it and blessed me with a, with a beautiful daughter. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I guess part of my conviction is linked with that in that I just I, I don't want her to make the same mistakes and same mistakes in terms of the way I conducted myself in terms of sexuality yet that doesn't take away from the fact that my daughter was a blessing so I guess my biggest thing is I'm trying to parent in vision rather than fear so that would be my summary (laughs) I'm still learning yeah it's so good so 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 good and for all three of you like what does it look like like even because Ruth what you've just said I'm trying to parent in vision and not in fear so I guess that means intentionally creating an environment in your home for your daughter and it's intentionally doing certain things with that vision in mind so talk to me a little bit about how you have cultivated an environment in the house where intimacy like healthy intimacy can be cultivated and a biblical but a healthy understanding of sexuality is that something you've been able to foster in the house do you feel yeah I've I've tried (laughs) um as like like someone else said you know it's, it's definitely a learning curve and I definitely do try to when I mentioned vision I guess one example that comes to mind is making sure um, that she's seeing, you know, good marriages as well, particularly Christian marriages, being um, single myself. Um, I, I'm, obviously, there's my parents who, wonderful marriage and, you know, just different ones with in the, the church. That's very important that she sees that. And, um, yeah, I think I, even just being, because I work in, in pro-life work, and so there's, I've got a number of big families <laughs> in my network. And yeah, I think even from very young, she she saw this big family and probably being an only child as well and wanted, you know, oh, mommy, when I grow up, I want to have eight kids. So, <laughs> you know, it's kind of become an ongoing joke, but I encourage it. No, I, I don't, oh no, you know, career first or whatever, but I'm just like, if that's, if that's your vision, that's great. And, you know, and we just um 
yeah, just I guess I just kind of encourage that type of thing in terms of intimacy. I guess I I realized that you know you can't you can't make someone else be intimate with God, but I guess you know it's 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 the praying with them, the reading the Word of God with them, because at the end of the day, these type of things have to be conviction to themselves mm-hmm. rather than just you know, especially as they get older and become teenagers, rather than you know, just just because mommy said or because daddy said, do you know what I mean? So it's, yeah, I realise more than anything is the most important thing for, for any issue with our children is that they've got a relationship and a conviction um, from God, with God and from God. That's so good. Like you've touched on so many great points, um, like what you've just said that I think as parents or even like as older brothers or sisters or aunts and uncles, like I know for me personally, with my own niece, I felt this pressure to like be God to her. You know, like that's what I really I realized in hindsight that I was doing, where I was um, not trusting her own relationship with Jesus and wanting to preserve and protect her so much that actually I was suffocating her. And I just love what you've said that part of like creating that environment um, for children involves freedom, you know, freedom for them to actually know Jesus for themselves. And you can only put certain parameters in place and role model what healthy intimacy looks like, but you can't force them to be intimate. You can't force them to do relationship. You can only really role model it in a way that's attractive. So I I love that you've, um, that you've said that. And don't get me wrong, like I've messed up in the trying to force and all that in the past, but it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So good. Thank you, Ruth. So Dave, um, how have you cultivated an environment of love and healthy intimacy in your home? And has that been something that you've done intentionally? And also, has that been something that you and Philippa knew to do from day one? Or was that something that you guys (laughs) over time, like maybe... 10 years down the line when you're like, oh my gosh, actually we don't have intimacy in the house. Like talk to me a bit about that. I think it's, um, you know, I think we're, we're, we're all on a journey, right? And so if I was to go back, I would do things probably completely differently to how we've done it. That's definitely true. Um, yeah, I think um, also when you've got three kids and things are quite hectic, you know, um, one has to have definite kind of family time, you know. <laughs> you know, time when you actually can actually talk rather than just kind of passing by. And I suppose as, as kids get older as well, you know, there's there's more need for that in a sense rather than less need for it. So I think um, there, are ver- there are various different times because you've got, I've got, having three children, I suppose one has conversations as a family and then one has conversations, uh, you know, to each individual child and each of those conversations with each individual is going to be different because you know when you've got one child you think that the second one's going to be the same as the first and I'm sure Katrina will tell you as well that then you're like how can they be so different (laughs) you know and that's something that I and then the third comes along and again different again so so I think every every child has different needs and you know needs to kind of um be able to um engage in a different place and in a different way and so that's that's one of the kind of I suppose that's one of the things that we have to find out just in general terms about our kids you know how do they engage and you know we talk about perhaps the five languages of love and think about you know what 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 love language do each of them carry you know which 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 love language do they do they um you know most kind of hits them really and and that's the journey I think we've been on and you know is I think um that's something that that has taken a while probably to kind of really understand in for each of them you know 100%. I was just going to ask Dave do you find like you know at the beginning you mentioned about like raising kids and you know I think you alluded to kind of like the busyness of time of actually what it takes to raise three kids. So have you found that there's been seasons where life might have been so busy for you and Philippa and for um, the kids that you haven't had family time and that you, you know, you maybe haven't been cultivating a place of like a hub of getting together and connecting with each other? Like, do you find that you have certain seasons where it's so busy and then other seasons where you're more intentional? I think I think we've always tried to be intentional at times. Um, yeah, we've we've generally had some, 
you know good time and if we can have i mean i think you know weekends are good aren't they so if you can kind of all talk around the table at the weekend that's a really helpful thing but again it's it's um you know that that depends on what you know just being a little bit intentional particularly when they're teenagers and they want to go out into town <laughs> you know they want to go separately into town and then you know that, that's that makes it quite hard probably um so but i think one has to be intentional and and regarding um talking about how you know how we are conducting relationships together mm. <laughs> i think one of the things I, I would say is um and it's picking up on something Ruth said as well, is this thing that I, you know, I think each of our kids, God has put here for a purpose. And, you know, I think that there's a sense of destiny. And I think I probably didn't recognize that so much when they were younger. And, you know, I recognize it more in the last few years. So the idea that we're raising raising our children to to fulfill the destiny that God has for them is something which I think is kind of really powerful, you know, and... Um, so recognizing that is a is a good thing. Yeah, so good. And then Katrina, I know obviously we referred to, you know, your parents, were your dad being a pastor, and then you having that example. And I know when you read my book, you then very I think you read it twice, and then you very quickly ordered, I think like yeah, exactly. Two coffees, one for both of your daughters. And your daughters currently, what are their ages? Like two and four. So you're starting early. And I love that because you're so intentional about creating a particular environment because you're so invested in actually creating an atmosphere of love and healthy intimacy. And you're all about raising the girls, you know, with such a celebratory approach to who they are. So how have you fostered that as an environment in your home? Yeah, I guess, you know, I'm just starting out. So Kaylin just had her fifth birthday, you know, and lost her first tooth. And, you know, so we're not quite at a place where we're having necessarily conversations about our sexuality. Um, But we are trying to provide an environment where there's no shame, where they know that there's nothing that they, there's nothing that they should be hiding from us. Um, and so, and that, that occurs in different ways. You know, Jarrett and I, I, I grew up seeing my dad dance with my mother in the kitchen and sneak kisses in between meals. And, you know, Jarrett and I, we were very affectionate with each other in front of the girls in terms of like, you know, holding hands or, you know, just like, you know, embracing each other on the couch or, um, you know, grabbing the girls in between us and doing like a big family hug, but just showing them that like healthy touch. Yeah, it's so important and what it means for a woman to be cherished, um, what it means for a man to love a woman as Christ loves the church. Um, You know, so we don't, you know, try to back away from that in front of them. Um, Even, you know, sharing a kiss in front of our girls, we do that because we want them to know what it looks like in a healthy, respectful, godly way. Um, And so, so that's one way. And then another way is honestly, like we, if they want to run around naked, I just let them, you know, I'm not going to be like, oh my gosh, girl, put your clothes on, you know, because what does that say? That says, well, there's something wrong with my, my nudity. There's something wrong with my body. And so they're both in that stage. I mean, you know, um, my eldest, she's, you know, she's five. And so she's not so much as wild as she used to be, but her sister is very much like, I have a button and I can take it off, you know, and we just let them do that. And, you know, we talk about how special God made their body and how like, you know, one of my daughters, she's got a few little freckles. So we, you know, we talk about how beautiful that is, how special that is. And then we really encourage them to celebrate each other. Mm. So, um, you know, my eldest will say oh you look so cute this morning right they'll tell each other that they look cute they'll tell each other that they look sweet you know um and I think that's really important too because part of part of just celebrating yourself you have to be able to celebrate others because we're all made in the image of Christ and I think having a good self-image will also help perpetuate a good um understanding of healthy sexuality yeah. So those are a few ways that we're instilling with our with our toddlers. Yeah, so good. Because I definitely want to talk next about how we nurture our young people to actually have a celebration of gender 
and their sexuality and as a result of that how they can then celebrate the opposite sex as well because we live in a culture where um, and not even necessarily just in a culture I think the way the church environment can be or um, our own cultures like I know in my culture when I was growing up is so taboo to even have the opposite sex on the scene you know so it's like what's to taboo becomes attractive and what's like exotic becomes erotic but what we want is we want to raise children that actually are able to not only celebrate their own sexuality but then be able to honor and celebrate the sexuality of others in a way that has no shame um so I'm just going to open it up what has that looked like trying to instill a place of celebration of your gender when it comes to your children. Because, you know, we're living in a time now, not only where we're trying to nurture heterosexuality. So, you know, in a, in a, in a society now where homosexuality is seen as equal to heterosexuality, and now in an environment where actually you can change your gender. So not only as Christians are we trying to raise our children to walk in purity, but now we're actually trying to raise them to walk in heterosexuality and to walk in their gender. So what have you intentionally been doing or what have you been grappling with in raising your children in those three areas that now are actually very challenging in the world that we live in? I think the first thing that comes to mind is, especially when you're talking about, you know, gender roles and just kind of feminism is the first thing that comes to mind because, you know, probably for all of the UK and the US, you know, it's very, very feministic culture, very prevailing narratives, which I think are very recently are becoming actually quite damaging mm-hmm. for women um, because everything that's tied in with that um, feminism, almost sometimes a bit anti-man and just everything that's all about career and almost family has been now become and, and being a housewife or looking after the kids is seen in a negative light. So I do feel with the backdrop of that, you kind of have to be intentional. And I found I've had to be intentional about encouraging things, which I know probably in a school are frowned upon. Um, Just one example, um, I think in one of the classes, I remember my daughter said that the question was something about how many, you know, how many people here has having, having children is one of your goals. And my daughter was the only person in a girl's school in a girl's class to put up her hand she was the only person and that was very tragic to me very very sad you know that it it just wasn't even on their radar as 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 a goal Mm -hmm. um or as one of the major goals in their life it's just um particularly I think even in girls schools it's really you know career driven which all schools are and so I find that um I'm constantly trying to go against that (laughs) Um, I have to be careful that I don't go against it too far Mm -hmm. because obviously there are some good things about you know of course women's rights and all that so that that is a a challenge and I guess it comes back to again you know she likes cooking that's wonderful (laughs) you know you like cooking brilliant Mm -hmm. and you you want to have have kids that's a fantastic vision you know you want to be be married and have a family young if you want to have it young that's fantastic so just encouraging those things because I know that the world is gonna come against those things yeah that reminds me Ruth at my church I'm a youth pastor and one of my girls um she's actually almost 20 very beautiful and um she could date whoever she wanted to but she basically heard me minister in regards to sexuality and I think she tells me that she was so impacted by that message she decided that she's not going to have boyfriends and that she's going to wait for marriage and for me that's like such a beautiful conviction in in a society where you know having boyfriends and you know socializing with guys is something that's so heavily promoted it's like part of the culture but she's just taken a stand that she says actually I don't want to and then she's the first to say, I can't wait to get married. And she's not saying, oh, I can't wait to get married because she wants to walk down the aisle and put on a wedding dress. She's saying, I can't wait to get married because she recognizes that there's a beautiful, godly context in which to enjoy someone intimately. And she, even in her young years, understood that she wants to do it the best way possible. And I think that that's so refreshing. Like your daughter, 
boldly being able to say, actually, no, I want to have loads of kids, although she might be in the minority, but what a breath of fresh air she will be to the world around her where she's, you know, got this strong conviction, I think is so powerful. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think um, it's, a, it's a really, you know, big difference between our culture and the world's culture, obviously, and that gap is widening and accelerating at a huge pace. I think that's that's something that, you know, if you had said 10 years ago that the trans kind of conversations would be a kind of relevant conversation for teenagers now, you you would have gone, really? You know, but but the, the speed at which that has um has has kind of happened, I think is 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 really quite amazing. And so, you know, even what we were teaching our older son when he was probably 12 is different than what we're teaching our daughter age 13. You know, that's that, that's something because the prevailing culture says this and it's pervasive. And what I what I would say is, you know, we, we were in a we were in a church context that that wasn't really clear about the about marriage and about the um, sanctity of marriage and the covenant of marriage. You know, because when when the world is talking about marriage, they're talking about something that's very different to, to yeah. believers talking about marriage. You know, they're talking about a contract whereas we're talking about a covenant. And I think that difference is so enormously, so enormously different um, that um, the, the world doesn't get what marriage actually is, like what Christian marriage actually is. But I think that as a culture, you know, because of that, because there's such a stark contrast, if we can have healthy relationships and, and healthy family, healthy marriage, where, you know, that is an amazing testimony to people who aren't so for example some of um you know friends of our kids who come around and um they see something where you know the mum and the dad are there and obviously not every relationship is like that um you know but equally then there's also this idea of redemption as well that i think is really really important because you know we we don't get everything right and that's that's that that's the nature of life you know things happen not everything um, within marriage is always easy as well. So to kind of, um, it's, it's one thing to talk about these things. It's another thing to live them out, I think. Yeah. So those, those conversations to do with gender, I think with my boys, essentially gender has been an interesting thing, but um, I think both my boys in different ways, quite like a challenge, you know, and a quite masculine challenge. And I think that's important to affirm, you know, so, you know, the older one's quite into cycling so he he um he would when he was about 14 he you know he did his first 100 mile ride you know it's quite a challenging thing to do and i think that's an important thing to 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 see that aspect of challenge you know mm. um, it's good yeah, yeah i actually um like both your boys I, I i love all three of your kids um but you know obviously i and i've taught i've taught all three of um dave's kids um, and yeah, they are, you know, your boys are pretty masculine. Um, and I remember your second, like your, your middle child, um, we were actually in a classroom and um, because of the environment that I teach in, so I, I teach, I do some um, teaching work at Dave's school. So he's kind of like my boss um, in that capacity and his boy was actually in my class and you know when we're having conversations with the students we do talk about different issues when we're kind of working and we were having a conversation about the transgender ideology and because of Dave's son's background and just the way that he's been raised and his own personal convictions as a Christian his way of seeing things was quite different to everyone else in the class and actually the way that the students in the class responded to the conversation and really responded to his opinion was quite crazy it was quite intense just because of everyone's different belief systems compared to his biblical convictions and I was so proud of the way that he held his own because he was in the minority he was the only one who had those biblical convictions and despite really just the lack of acceptance of his convictions he still stood his ground and although he's not necessarily like a boy's boy but 
he really is in the sense that he he carries those attributes that we want to nurture in our boys that attribute of strength that attribute of conviction that attribute of dignity that it might not mean that he's going to play although I'm sure he does play football but you know it doesn't mean he's going to be like this masculine stereotype of what a boy should be but actually it's having those divine attributes of males and females that we want to nurture our children with and I actually see that so much in Dave's children and I just see the conviction of the way that they have been raised you know the boys know they're boys and the girl knows she's a girl you know which I think is so powerful can I just can I just add something to to the that kind of conversation those conversations have come up a few times particularly with our middle one but I think with, with all of them in some way with their friends um, and their friends who don't have faith. And um, what I would say is that the real difficulty with navigating with our culture is this idea that if you, in a secular culture, if you disagree with somebody about something, then, then you must hate them. Yeah. And so I think that's one of the most difficult aspects of our, of um, navigating that as a parent is actually helping our children to, not only have biblical conviction but also hold love for the other person and i think that's that's just an enormously it's a hard thing because you're not going to get love for saying some of the things you might have to say mm-hmm. um but you can still love the other person yeah. you can you, you can still you know respond to the other person positively and i, I think that's something which you know sets well that that's what a christian culture would be Whereas a secular culture really doesn't accept that there's a difference between people's ideas and and people's value as human beings, and that, that that's um, something which is really um, I think hard for our young people to navigate. Yeah. You know, you know, because if you don't agree with me, then you hate me. Is yeah. is the um, prevailing cultural view. And I think also like we live in a time, and we've always had this, but you know, where sex and sexuality can be a god. So where it is actually idolized and worshipped and, you know, you it's difficult sometimes to hold your convictions in this area or it's not necessarily difficult, it's challenged because actually sexuality is a God for so many um, that when, you know, the offense that comes with you actually having a different perspective when it comes to anything really is so intimidating because the the position that sexuality has always held in like a fallen world I was just gonna say you know I I do think you know coming from our relationship with Christ where we are taught in scripture that truth brings freedom we can't be afraid to have those truthful conversations with our children because it does in fact bring freedom and if they are not comfortable coming to us they're going to go somewhere else yeah so I think Ruth was saying just about her community and, and being very intentional about the community that you're you're building around your children as well is very important because, you know, I'm a realist. There's going to be something somewhere down the road that one of my girls isn't going to want to tell me about, but they're going to want to tell someone and, you know, looking into the future, right? Because wisdom always looks ahead. She looks into the future. And so looking into the future, I'm going to strategically place people around me who I know will affirm, you know, the desires that I have for them Yeah. in terms of their relationship with Jesus Christ first, and then their relationship with other people, and even the relationship that they have with themselves. Like, how do I see myself? And so, you know, they do not if, but when they have those moments where they're looking to confide in someone else. I know there'll be that person will pour into them the same as I, as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is one thing that I saw very, very uniquely different in the way I was raised and the way my peers were raised was that they did not have that open, truthful relationship with their parents. They did not talk about sex with their parents. It was, it was weird. It was what the word taboo was used. I believe it was very taboo, you know, whereas, um, you know, my mother had a, say it all, tell it all kind of a policy. So for me to talk to my mother about my sexuality, to talk to my father about my sexuality, I know we talked how my dad did me and Jared's premarital counseling. You know, and a lot of people are like, oh, your dad did your counseling? Like, how was that? I'm like, yeah. it was normal. It yeah. was just a Monday. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, that's what we do. And I think that's really, really important to foster just that freedom, mm-hmm. you know, um, that we don't have to find fig leaves and hide, right? Yeah. 
And God is calling us out of the fear, out of the shame, out of the guilt. Um, and so when we walk in the truth and we obey the truth, then, you know, we aren't falling into that, those pitfalls of guilt and shame. And then we don't go into hiding. So just, you know, just cultivating an environment of just openness and truth mm-hmm. and freedom. What do the scriptures say about this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's go to God and see what God's opinion is on this. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that's very important. I think for a lot of parents, somehow, you know, life's just going by and you don't necessarily intentionally go to the word of God about this area. And before you know it, I think, um, Katrina, you said that, you know, if we don't talk about sexuality, they're going to hear about it from somewhere else. And it's so true, especially currently right now with all of like the SRE, you know, um, curriculums that are coming in that absolutely will instill transgender ideologies and, you know, masturbation at such a young age and and just the normality, quote unquote, of of masturbation and just sexual immorality really being introduced into our schools at such a young age. And so being able to ensure that actually our children don't hear about that from the school system, but they are already receiving some kind of a foundational biblical understanding about sexuality in the home. So have you guys intentionally felt that this is something you want to do or have done? Like how prominent is the word of God and biblical sexuality in the nurturing of your children's sexuality? I think the word of God should be very prominent in our, in our kids, generally speaking. You know, I was thinking, I was thinking earlier today about Deuteronomy 6, where it talks about love the Lord your God. And then it says, teach these things to your kids, you know, and and, um, talk about them, you know, talk about them as you go down the road, it says. And I think, um, you know, so the word of God should take, should take a really high place in in our households, um, you know, and indeed, I would say, if we thought about our households less as households and more as like house churches, that would that that's a really good way of of us i think thinking about um about our home environment you know so when people are coming in to our home environment they're coming in in, in a sense into our house church so we've talked a little bit about that kind of concept um you know because it's it's true that we are the body of christ we don't have to go to church to be the body of christ um so yeah i think touching on things um earlier than anyone else touches on them is 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 really super important you know the kind of foundation stone of of anything to do with sex is the first time we see it and so if we're introduced to sex through porn that's really an unhealthy place to start um obviously but unfortunately i think that's a place that many people do start and you know look at the stats of you know something like 91 percent of kids have seen porn by the time they're 11 or something crazy crazy and um i would say that you know it's very easy to be naive about that won't be my children and uh you know and think that you've kind of got it nailed but you know you don't know who they're sitting next to at school you don't know what you know mobile phones can bring kind of images into it's so much more easy you know than in my day if i wanted to get some porn i'd have to go to the news agent and go through the embarrassment of buying a magazine and i think now you know it's just one click and uh, and it comes up accidentally it's not even like it you know it's not even like they're looking for it and it can come up so i think um there is that that whole thing of you know being enormously intentional about teaching our children about sexuality early you mm-hmm. know in obviously an appropriate way for their age yeah. but not being and and like katrina says not not equating sex with shame is really yeah. really really super important as well absolutely yeah. you know because you know, that just takes it into a place of hiding it. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. know. you mentioned something earlier on, Dave, where you were just saying, you know, with the whole transgender ideology, you're absolutely right. Like I remember when I first started writing Sacred Sexuality, the book, I, at the beginning of my writing, the transgender ideology wasn't really even so much on my radar. And we're talking about, you know, three, three and a half, maybe four years ago. Um, But by the time I published my book, it was so at the forefront and it's continued to be, you know, a real place of assault. And it's heartbreaking because when it comes to the transgender ideology, 
you know, there is so much brokenness in it and there's so much pain and so much confusion and such a place of wrestle and heartache for those that might have confusion about their gender. But the bottom line is, is that we know that it's an assault on God's divine order for our gender and that if a child grows up thinking or even not even grows up, if a child at four believes that they can change their gender, then they will never really flourish. They will never, you know, be all that God has created them to be. And their life will be so stolen from. But we know that this ideology is something that really is being forced upon schools and and upon life and just society. And like you said, um, Dave, that, you know, a while back, it wasn't even a thing. But I remember about 10 years ago, Ugly Betty, you know, the program, I didn't watch it all at the time, but I just remember watching some of it. And there was a character in there who was a transgender character. And she was stunning. She was so beautiful. And she was so um, likable, even though to a certain extent, like you have in these, like, you know, um, programs, she, she was a bit, you know, crafty, she did a few crazy things but actually what they portrayed and represented her as was a real lovable character and so by the end of like you know this kind of I guess mini series or whatever um, it was by the end of it you had a real heart for this transgender character and I remember when I pondered on that last year I remember thinking that that was a good 10 years ago but in entertainment the seeds had been sown of something that now we're actually seeing the fruit of and so when it comes to entertainment and when it comes to social media and it comes to all these different platforms the seeds that are being sown in our children when they're just you know not even really thinking about their sexuality but things are being sown that then we see the fruit of them like a decade later so for you guys how involved are you in the entertainment that your children consume? Um, how like intentional are you to give them healthy pastimes? Like what parameters do you put in place in terms of influence of the arts in your children's lives? And how much freedom do they have? Well, you just touched on my number one challenge of parenting, probably. Um, as Dave said, it's, you know, they're, they're bombarded with all of these things, even from the difference of my first mobile was where it was a you know an old little phone that you could just call or text yeah. um or play snake on when I was 18 yeah. now they're getting them you know age 10 yeah. probably younger even now um access to the internet pretty much access to anything so yeah um for me it's a parent's worst nightmare <laughs> so I'm probably on the on the strict scale when it comes to that type of thing um I guess it all depends on who you're comparing it to um but then it gets to the age where you kind of are preparing them to be free to to be you know literally in a few years time my daughter could be moving out going off to university so yeah it is preparing them to be free but yeah no biggest challenge um and for me, from my own story, it was as I grew up in a Christian home and I put down my backsliding to the to the sermons I was listening to and the music that I listened to. You know, the message I was hearing, I, I wasn't getting that from home or from church. I was getting a solid foundations, but I was listening on repeat music with sexual lyrics that was my sermon that I'm listening to. And um yeah it played out in the way I lived my life and to, to the point where I had to you know when I came to the Lord and fully surrendered to him I had to break and it was liberating to to snap all of those old CDs and I'm quite sensitive with the music I listen to even sometimes down to the genre because it reminds me of the things that I used to listen to even you know Christian music sometimes in that same um, R&B slow jam genre I can't sometimes listen to it because I don't want to go take be taken back there so yeah um once again number one I don't know if it's still number one song was it WAP mm, yeah. mm -hmm. and some of these female rap rappers and it's yeah it is they're not good role models um they're not good role models at all and um so yeah I'm, I'm not gonna lie I, I need advice from you guys it's a battle it's hard. Do you find like it's a place of tension 
in the home? Like, does your daughter kind of listen to music that you would prefer that she wouldn't? Or or does she have an understanding of like the kind of music that she needs to stay away from? Or do you feel like it's a grey area? So obviously in, in my house, the domain that I can control as much as I can, we play positive Christian. I say positive and Christian because, you know, there are there are the odd song out there that's not Christian and is positive. Yeah. <laughs> it's starting to become the odd. But yeah, um, yeah I, I can't bear to have any of, especially get down to the, a lot of it's sexual. So yeah. it's playing into that. I can't bear to have that yeah. in my home, basically. Yeah. It's the yeah. same with movies. I think we had this conversation, didn't we, didn't we Bobby? Is yeah. that, you know, when, when I go to watch a movie, I go to IMDb. Yeah. and check the parents guide because it tells you exactly what sex scenes are going to be in there. Okay. like if you you know that if the film rating is 12 and above you know you shouldn't watch it like I know for me if it's 12 or over I'm just like mm, there's probably going to be some stuff in there but if it's 15 yeah. I'm run a mile you know and it's so crazy that that's how it is for us but that's literally how it is isn't but it? I'd recommend that to anyone watching parents even for yourself IMDB, check out the parent guide. It breaks it down to, you know, someone wore a low cut top. It breaks it down, everything. Wow, that's so good. That actually reminds me, um, I once ordered a book for my niece and it's a book that I read when I was a teenager. So in my memory, I was like, oh, that was like a safe book. And then I ordered it for her. And then I thought, oh, actually, let me have a quick read of it before I give it to her. And then I read it and it was just the amount of innuendo in there for like a 12 year old or a 13 year old, like I literally had to, I think I gave the book to charity. I don't even remember, but yeah, it's everything's just laced with it. You have to be so, so militant, don't you? Um, but Katrina, I would love to love to hear from you. Yeah, I, you know, that is, that is a tough thing. It's a tough thing for all of us because this culture tells us that there's nothing wrong with it. Right. Mm. And, and honestly, they flip it and say that if you don't, there's something wrong with you. Right. Um, this whole thing, like, you know, I'm an adult, I'm adulting, I can do it because, you know, um, but I think it comes down to in terms of just raising our children to have a standard and even us, you know, having those same convictions and, and, and modeling those convictions, it's a heart thing. And so if it's about rules and regulations, and this is what we don't do, okay, I won't do that here. But when I leave, I will engage. And so, but, but I take my heart everywhere I go, right? That's why, like, the Bible says we're supposed to guard our hearts. And so if it's in my heart, it doesn't matter, like, what environment I'm in, right? Those decisions are going to be a reflection of what's in my heart. And so, you know, the mistake I made was, you know, as I, I, the Lord allowed me to maintain my virginity until I got married. But part of my story is that, yes, I was a virgin, but I was not pure. Mm-hmm. I did not practice purity, um, until I gave my life to Christ. And then from that moment on, then I began to practice purity. Um, and so really like, you know, virginity, that's just skin and bones, right? We want a pure heart. Yeah, we, want, we want the eternal things of God. And so I think it's really important to, instead of focusing on, you know, you know, things that are right or wrong, what is pure? What touches the heart of God? What pleases Jesus? You know, um, again, going back to the scripture, because that's the anchor for our soul is the scriptures. So what does the scripture say? Does this decision honor the Lord? Does this decision please Jesus? If it does, great. If it doesn't, we need to be confident and courageous enough to tell the truth mm-hmm. and then deal with it through truth, not through feelings or opinions or popular culture. And I think all of those things really do develop a heart, right? A heart to be pleasing to the Lord, um, as opposed to a mentality that, you know, oh, this is what my mom wants me to do. So I got to do it until I turn 18 and I go off and then I can do my own thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Because that's what the world says too. Oh, you just have to deal with them until you're 18 and then you get your freedom to do what you want to do. But developing that heart because that heart's going to take go with them wherever the Lord takes them. Mm. That's, that's amazing. I wonder if I could. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I, I just wanted to ask any of any of you guys because um, for me, one of the challenges as well is when you've got I don't know the Christian families that don't have the 
same standards. So it's one thing to say, you know, oh, that's the world, darling. <laughs> that's how the world does things. But when you've got, you know, Christian families and stuff that are doing as the world, not even totally as the world, but, you know, they've just got different yeah. standards. How do, you, yeah, how do you deal with that? I think I think it's a really hard thing, and you know uh, the same the same son, I, middle son that I've got. Um, he had a situation where he went to um, at, at the church we were going to. He went to a um, a, a youth uh, session where they were talking about um, homosexuality, and uh, and uh, you know I'd already talked to the youth worker about you know. Um, a biblical view of sexuality and um essentially um you know it, he came back and it was actually quite upsetting for him because he he gave that the the the, the biblical view but he wasn't defended by the, the even the leaders in the in the situation particularly and um so so um hence the reason that was part of the reason that we actually moved on because it's really really important i think to be in a culture which actually does honor what god says and honors scripture you know and um unfortunately within within the wider church that's not always obviously the case mm-hmm. um and then with christian parenting i think there's so many you know i i can think of quite a lot of friends who whose kind of view is that well your your teenager's just going to go through this period and you know that's just how it's going to be you know and so i i think i we constantly had to kind of refute that at home mm-hmm. but the key the key thing about refuting it i think and i'm not sure i got this right every time i'm sure i didn't in fact um but the key thing about refuting it is that we come from a place of love and not a place of fear i think you know because i can think uh, and a lot and a lot of that place of love i think for me is about helping our young people our kids understand the why you know rather than just hear the why not <laughs> you you know it's like um understanding the why is 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 so is, is so important really um someone once said i i once heard somebody preaching and they said that you can trace your your life back to three or four decisions you made as a teenager and i was like whoa <laughs> that's so that's that's really really yeah yeah what, what do i do about that you know but actually it's a really it's, it, it can be a really positive thing because if you make the three or four decisions the right decisions then that does set you on a trajectory for your life which is which is so good and the good thing is that even if you make the wrong decisions you know god is a god who brings redemption thank you so much for joining me for today's show All related social media handles and links can be found in the notes section. If you did enjoy today's episode, then please do feel free to share it and do subscribe to the podcast if you want to know when a new episode is heading your way. If you'd like to get in touch, you can do that via Instagram or Facebook or you can head over to livinginlight.co.uk. I cannot wait to be with you guys again and thank you so much for listening to the Living in Light podcast. You're beautiful, so beautiful, so beautiful to me. You're beautiful, so beautiful, so beautiful to me. See to that fearful.